You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. What you need to do is, you need to bang the drum. I'm banging it. Ah, that's not what I'm talking about, though. Love the drum. Man, I do love my drum. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively without the rose-colored glasses, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week we watched 2002's teen dramedy sports romance, I don't know, it's Drumline. We haven't done a teen movie, Uh, right off the top, very good. Right off the top, yeah. Um, How would I describe it? I don't know. Yeah. because it's what happens in between the sports game. You know what I mean? Halftime is game time in this. Movie. I guess you could, if you really wanted to stretch, qualify it as a musical. <laughs> also true. Also true. Uh, but IMDb, I believe, describes it as a, let's see, a comedy drama romance. So take that for what it's worth. But Drumline, we watched it. We liked it, too, as kids, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved Drumline as a kid. I had a little bit of nostalgia just for the days back when, uh, Brandon, I was in marching band for like a month and a half. Holy shit, dude. Wow. Oh, well, I quit to go play sports, if that makes you feel better. (laughs) Were you any good? Yeah, I was. I was very good. I was a tuba player. Oh, wow. I was a tuba player. Were you Nick Cannon good? I was asked to join the marching band. Oh, okay, so you were recruited. Is that what you're telling me? I was recruited. Wow, they came to your house? <laughs> yes. You, like I'm ate not dinner with your kidding. family I'm... and everything? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. And, this, Ladies was high, and this was the high school marching band, but the conductor did come to my house one day and ask me to join the wow. band. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I did for a couple of months, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I miss baseball. <laughs> <laughs> were you so good that a rival school tried to poach you? No, I uh, can't say I was that good. but <laughs> Didn't get to that level yet. Yeah, but, um, I mean, bringing it back away from my nerddom, uh, bringing it back to the movie, it was a movie that interested me because, like I said, I, I had a little bit of interest in the music of it. And then just drumlines in general are fascinating to me. I love a good drumline. I love when they go face-to-face and drum at each other's freaking faces it's awesome to me and it it connected with me i I guess because it's a borderline sports movie you know what i mean it's the music in it's very good the marching band aspect of it is was good to me and then i don't know it just clicked with me so it was something that i always watched if it was on syndication which it is often i would sit down and watch it i i always loved it growing up this was one I watched quite a bit. I don't know if it was HBO. Was it HBO that had this one playing a lot? Maybe it was FX. I don't know what channel played this a lot. It probably it was like HBO, yeah. Definitely was in syndication, but it was one I was lucky enough to own on. VHS, though. This went that far back. I remember Ooh. having this movie on VHS. And I can't say I was a fan of Nick Cannon at the time. It, no. Because he started off in like Nickelodeon shows, right? Before he became the yeah, rapper he... as we know him. Or, or no, wait, wait, the TV host as we know him today. I was going to say, I don't really know him as a rapper today. Um, I mean, he does do Wild and Out. He was, I remember him from Nickelodeon, and like, that wasn't the big draw for me. You know, when they were like, well, Nick Cannon's in it. I'm like, I don't fucking care. You could put anybody in that role. Sure. 
and it wasn't like what got me to go see the movie. It was just the concept of it. I got to say, I was pulled in by Orlando Jones. Big Orlando Jones. Back-to-back Orlando Jones. (laughs) Yes, dude. Big fan of him. This is coming off that uh, evolution sci-fi comedy, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was fascinated by drumlines as well. I didn't see many of them. We didn't have this fucking competition at my school or anywhere where I grew up in the sticks. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So watching this seemed like it was a whole other world. Like, hang on a second. You mean to tell me that at halftime... At some schools, this is the shit that goes down. It blew my mind because at most we get some shitty cheerleaders who really don't know what they're doing anyway. This is on a whole other level. Yeah, it is definitely more of like a college thing where the band comes out on the field. But my high school used to have the marching band go out onto the field during football games. And they went off and did competitions that were just strictly for marching bands. I actually won a couple national championships oh, damn. at my high school. So they, they took it seriously, but I can vouch that it was not as crazy as it is in this movie. It, it It's a lot of work and it's intense, but it was nothing like what we see in Drumline. Yeah, this is intensely choreographed. I forgot how intensely choreographed, honestly. There's a lot going on in this movie. But yeah, big fans of this as kids, but I don't know, have you seen this anytime recently? I remember the last time I saw this was probably a good, maybe 10 years ago on TV, probably? Easily. I, it's been super long, and I don't know why, because um, it's a movie that didn't sour with me on my last watch. I guess I just kind of made the assumption moving forward that maybe the melodrama in it was a little ridiculous. But again, that's... That was just me assuming I I didn't have any recent watches to back it up. So I was really curious to see how it was going to hold up on this one. Yeah, I I think I sort of, as I got further away from it, sort of lumped it in with the early 2000s teen movies that I didn't need to revisit again in my life, like the Save the Last Dances and... You know, but again, it was on the cusp of like a Coach Carter where there was still some maybe some appeal for me. But again, hadn't revisited in a while. And uh, I didn't know how well reviewed this was, actually, though. This is not a negatively reviewed film by any means. No, assumed it was going to be widely hated. It has like an 84 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, doesn't it? It's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a quite low 5.8 on IMDb. Audience is not as high on it, on that side anyway. However, I think it's got a 70% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, so a bit more favorable. But this was directed by Charles Stone III, who began his career in feature films with Drumline. He followed it up with Paid in Full, the Bernie Mac baseball movie, Mr. 3000. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yep. I do. Uh Lila and Eve, the Netflix movie Stepsisters, which I don't know anything about, and most recently, Uncle Drew. Oh, God. Really? He did Uncle Drew? Yikes. Yikes. Did you watch that? No, I didn't watch Uncle Drew. Well, I'm sorry. Like it's a sports Irving. movie, dude. It's a sports movie, so I figured you, you'll be all up in that. It combines all of your favorite things athletes in old man makeup sure. <laughs> playing sports. <laughs> And Nick Kroll. I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Well, you're a Nick Kroll fan, are you not? I am a Nick Kroll fan. I'll have to give it a watch someday. No, I'm not going to. (laughs) So it cost $20 million to make. It earned $56 million in the States, an extra cool million dollars in foreign ticket sales, bringing its global worldwide gross to $57 million, which placed it 47th for the year on the domestic charts. Honestly, more money than I would have assumed it was going to make. A pretty big money moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, this made almost three times its budget. So 2002, by the way, quite the year. Punch Drunk Love, Spirited Away, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. All movies that were <laughs> out-earned by these films. Halloween Resurrection, Eight Crazy Nights, The New Guy, Van Wilder. 
man. Yikes. So I bet you didn't know this. There's a sequel to Drumline. I did because when I was uh, looking to go oh. buy it on YouTube uh, to, to watch <laughs> this this run, um, the first thing that popped up was the sequel, and that was when I first learned of it. Yeah. 2014, it was a VH1 original starring Alexandra Ship. That sequel, by the way, Drumline, A New Beat. So. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Any good? No, I haven't seen it, but I was thinking, but I was thinking when it came up is maybe we should do a companion podcast in which we just watch direct to DVD sequels of movies we enjoyed as kids or just movies we like in general. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that far back, but mull that over, Zach. Uh, I, I'll think about it. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I don't know if I want to make a whole nother podcast for it, but maybe an episode or two. So. Nick Cannon actually did his own drumming on screen. He does have a double, Jason Price, who did the majority of the close-ups, you know, with more of the complex techniques. But sure, pretty solid, honestly, pretty solid. Leonard Roberts, who plays Sean in the movie, like I said, the sort of antagonist in the film, was actually very sick when the last scenes of the BET Southern Classic were filmed. If you'll notice, he looks extremely sweaty sweating, and honestly yeah. very weak. Yeah, that's because he's knocking on what devil's door with COVID-19, him? actually. Uh, I don't know. No, he was just sick. He was just sick. I don't know. By the way, uh, COVID update for all our listeners. Uh, we both look terrible. We both, <laughs> we both, we both look bad. Like, look yeah, at my hair. It's just hairier. Mine's just growing out. I got like a wingtip thing going on in the back here because no, no shops to get my hair cut. Yeah. You got to talk into the microphone when you're doing a podcast, Brandon. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> so. T.I. originally considered for the role of Devin. <laughs> T.I.? We could have got with that. Did you ever what? see that? T.I., yeah. I'll say it. Better movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have received its two MTV Movie Award nominations had it been T.I. Because Nick Cannon not only nominated for Breakthrough Male Performance, also Best Kiss with Zoe Saldana. First of all, love that Zoe Saldana is in this movie. Uh, big, big fan of her. What a wonderful surprise. Second of all, um, stop bringing up MTV Movie Awards on this podcast, okay? <laughs> it's, it's a running not joke. Relevant. I have to do it. <laughs> it's stupid. They don't mean a thing. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Pretty much that wraps it up here. Oh, Morris Brown, who's their kind of antagonist also in the film. It is a real college in Atlanta. There is no real Atlanta A&T, which is where you know the film is set for the most part. The filming was done at Atlanta University and at Morris Brown. But performers, I guess, were recruited from high school and university bands all over the Atlanta area. Lastly, I just want to add to the show, maybe going forward, because this is something I was fascinated as a kid by, still something I am by now, MPAA ratings and why they rate movies what they do. I'd always be fascinated by looking at the little box underneath. Why is this rated what it is? This one rated PG-13 for language and innuendo oh innuendo well there's just innuendo there's a lot of hip-hop music in this movie so that's probably what it is there is there is anything else Zach? um no i just i think i read that uh the school is based on a real school even though they did not actually use the name of the school i think on nc a and t maybe north carolina a and t but so i i had to do double checking because one of the things that we that we realize off the bat in this movie and I guess we'll dive into it is how crazy the training and like all the PT that they have to do for it. I looked it up cause I was like, I, like I said, I was in marching band for a while. I didn't have that experience, but I was wondering if 
that was it. And a lot of people hate this movie because the music, uh, like a lot of the directing and conducting that kind of stuff doesn't add up. Um, the music is a little weird for professionals. They did like it's completely inaccurate. But a lot of people on Reddit have said that they did have an experience like this going to a marching band college. So this is an accurate. Wow. Yeah, this is an accurate depiction of what some colleges are like. Wow. Well, let it be known, I chose to watch the theatrical edition at an hour and 58 minutes instead of going for the extended edition because who the fuck knows how long that one would be on my Blu-ray, which, by the way, I paid two fifty four at a <laughs> at a flea market back when we could shop in public. Did you put it on Vudu? Because I paid $4 for this movie. <laughs> no, dude, it didn't come with a digital copy, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that there was an extended version of this movie. Me neither. I'm curious what that is. Maybe some more. This movie's two hours drumming. long. Oh, that better be what it is. There can only yeah. this movie doesn't need any more story. <laughs> well, our story begins with our lead, Devin Miles. He's played by Zach's personal hero, Nick Cannon. Thanks. You know, the only member of his graduating class who's slouching. He's like leaning back. It's this overhead shot, the opening shot, just to show you this guy doesn't give a shit. And also, if you weren't sure if this guy is going to be part of the tight titular drum line, he is holding drumsticks at his graduation. Yes, he is. And he smirks as his principal tells them they all can fly. He gets his diploma and he and his school band then play a pretty sweet rendition of a great song by a monster of an artist. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I believe yeah. I can fly because, again, on this podcast, it all leads back to Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, it does always come back to Space Jam. A uh, lot of music here that's like, oh, yeah, I remember when that was popular. Not to mention when Petey Pablo makes a fucking massive appearance in this movie. Whoa, does that not hold up? <laughs> I had to look it up who this person was. Like, who the fuck was? Oh, my God, Petey Pablo? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So after graduation, though, he stops by the subway station and hands the guy behind the counter there his graduation ticket. And we find out that's his fucking father. And he tells him, guess what? Made it without you, pops. Never been arrested. Got my diploma. And I've got a full scholarship to Atlanta A&T. Hope you're proud because I made it without you. And he walks the fuck away. Jarring that we get this in the first like three minutes of this movie. Yeah, I and I thought maybe the father would play a bit into it because this is a real, you know, a real gut punch of an opening. You know, Nick Cannon's going for his Oscar. Right, you'd think you'd see this actor one more time maybe in this movie. <laughs> nope, this is it. Not at yeah. all. Never He's, again. He comes back briefly in spirit, but <laughs> but we never see them interact again, and it's hardly ever brought up. But Devin takes the bus to college. I was kind of confused by this. It's like just a, a fun group of guys, you know, our characters, and they're all just kind of taking the bus. It looks like a school bus, like a public school bus to college. I don't know. It looks like a shuttle maybe taking the, the freshmen to their first practice. I have no idea. That could be it. That could be it. Sure. I just I, love how it gets all the people we need to meet in one fucking, you know, one box and get some exposition about there about Morris Brown, the team that they're wanting to beat. It is very convenient. Um, feels very like this is exposition. Yeah. Yeah. One of whom is played by GQ, who I kept confusing for the guy who gets cut in half in Final Destination 2. He also plays the goalie and goon because uh, they is. look very similar, but it's not. This is rapper, actor. GQ. 
This guy was on the fucking DVD case. I remember back in the day when you rented Drumline, it's Nick Cannon and his fucking face on this movie. At the end credits, he's like fourth bill. What the hell, man? That's crazy. You can't just go stealing the name of a fucking magazine, calling yourself a rapper actor and... I don't know. This Shut guy. Shut up, man. GQ? We need, yeah, we do need one white guy in this movie. Just one. So this is a historically black college that takes enormous pride in its marching band. And when I say enormous pride, it is Full Metal Jacket. The strict, you know, regimen of uh, the players here is out of this world. Military style training where the, the drum majors are screaming at them. They're, you know, taking laps. They're doing push-ups. Uh, it's just absolutely insane that like they're working they have a lot of time on the football field too i would think that the football team needs it to practice but you know whatever dude doesn't matter who gives a shit about football this is the fucking drum <laughs> yeah that's so true. Ernest, this is Devin's roommate he's played by jason weaver he's late the first day of practice and Devin's reply when asked by coach or head of the band dr lee played by orlando jones much different role than last week's The Replacements, I must say. I wanted to bring that up, just the stark difference between his character last week in The Replacements when he was just kind of like a bumbling, covered in like illegal elephant jizz, like, <laughs> to like a very serious, like supposedly musical genius. Yeah, and he plays this role well, I think. Devin replies, you know, he's not his mother. And Dr. Lee's whole thing is one band, one sound. When one of us is late, we're all late. So they're all forced to run laps and push-ups and shit. And Devin immediately starts butting heads with Sean Taylor, played by Leonard Roberts, who isn't a fan of his big dick swinging energy all this time. He's cocky attitude, not a fan of it. Well, to be fair, I mean, it's not even really fair. Nick Cannon thinks he's the shit because he has been recruited by the the school he's on full scholarship he's considered like one of the best drummers in the country one of the best snare drummers in the country i don't i don't know any band that like makes their percussionists just stay on one drum but whatever but so he is coming in with this like attitude of i'm the shit you know i'm better than everybody here i was personally asked to come here and that doesn't sit well with a lot of the older people understandably yeah and some of this training includes running up the stadium steps, carrying instruments over their heads, or standing out in the rain in squat position, holding their drumsticks out in front of them. While singing out their own cadences. That's right. And GQ, like we mentioned, he's the one white guy. His name's Jason, with a Y, by the way, I found out in the credits. Yuck. Yes. Uh, he is deemed affirmative action by his teammates. That's his nickname. <laughs> he's the only white guy there. <laughs> Pretty good name. Well done. Yeah, well done, drumline. Uh, we also meet Layla. This is the upperclassman dancer, Zoe Saldana, who, you know, he relentlessly, Nick Cannon, flirts with. I love Zoe Saldana. And this is actually one of the first times I think I've ever seen her in a movie. One of her first roles, anyway, because this is before Terminal and Pirates and all those other ones. But I was going to say, I wonder how old she is in this movie. Yeah, she can't be too old. I know she was a dancer in that movie Center Stage, which came out a, a year or two before this. But mm -hmm. I, I like her presence here. She's not given enough to do, unfortunately. But, you know. It's, it's the standard girlfriend character in these type of movies, I suppose. We made jokes about this last week when we did the replacements episode, how like, oh, we got to have something for the chicks. This one feels a little bit more forced to me than it did in the replacements somehow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Really? Oh, okay, sure. Okay. I don't even know forced, but just like, it feels like whatever, you know, like it, it feels like it's there solely to break up 
the plot of the movie and not actually add any character to it. I do agree with that for sure. Yeah. Sean is a bit of a weird instructor. There's this whole bit where he tells them playing the drums is like making love and then proceeds to like sexually intimidate them all by staring into their eyes while he, you know, pounds their drum and they have to pound at the same time without like clinking sticks or something. He does it to the first guy and then he does it to the female player on the drum line. And I remember like when he finished with that one, he's like, yeah, how'd you like that? Yeah. I "I don't know. I felt about that, Sean. Yeah. That one was, that pushed it a little bit. (laughs) Didn't feel great about that one, but he goes toe to toe with Nick Cannon. Yeah, he goes toe-to-toe with Devin. Um, I should really learn the names of these of these characters every once in a while. I always refer to the actors' names. Anyway, he goes toe-to-toe with Devin, and Devin uh, beats him, makes him look like a fucking idiot. Actually goes, I think, a little faster than, than freaking... Uh, Sean? Sean. <laughs> yeah, and he does this in front of Dr. Lee. Yeah, but Orlando Jones... <laughs> Lee... Um, Dr. Lee is not impressed. He's like, well, you know, you did a good job, but you made your bandmate look like a fucking jackass. Exactly. You can't lead till you learn to follow. Devin also didn't read the rule book. And because of that, he can't answer the last rule or the last question in there, which is he's got to shave his head. He's got to shave his cornrows, man. Dude, you want to play a drinking game when you're watching this movie? Take a shot anytime he either quits or is kicked off the band. It happens every 15 minutes, it seems. It happens like it happens like four times in this movie. <laughs> but so he's like, well, if you don't want to sh- if you don't want to shave your head, you, you're not on the band. You're not in the band. Um, so he goes home and like what he thinks about it for like five seconds. And then he's like, all right. I'll shave my I'll shave But before my he does, does he, he unrolls it all so it's this big afro and he walks in like he's all pissed off and everything and everyone's like, come on, dude, you really had to be that defiant about it all? And then he sits down and everyone's like, oh, forget it. Real team bonding moment here. They're dude. becoming a band. But the next day, he crushes his audition to become a P1 player because, of course, there's tiers for a quality of player, P1 through P4, I believe. And he's the only freshman selected to BP one after the upperclassmen flashed their lights up there on the hill overlooking the field. I like that little touch, that little bit. It seemed like a, you know, a bit of an authentic touch to something. I remember when I watched it, watched this movie the first time. And this was like a scene that stuck out to me that he was, he, I mean, obviously a very good drummer. And then the whole, like, you know, people on a hill watching him. I don't know. It's, it struck my, like, romantic sports movie side of me but also a weird like musical side it's a good it's a good scene i do like this i like that whole bit but at this point it seems like devin's main role is to destroy sean's mental health he just seeks to ruin this guy's life because sean has this very intricate very elaborate drum solo he says and he's got this move that everyone has to complete afterwards so he's like hey pay attention to me watch this real closely uh, I'm going to do this move. Please do so after. And Devin all of a sudden goes Spidey sense oh. and sees everything in slow motion. And, you know, all we're missing is like numbers, music notes. It's a very Rain Man situation. <laughs> Memorizing patterns and shit. But he obviously yeah. immediately crushes it and embarrasses Sean once again. And this this kind of ties into because it is noted during Devin's audition that he didn't look down at his audition sheet once. So he is playing the song memorized yes and sean is also really trying to get all the drummers to never look down that's the whole bit about making love you never look down when you're making love you look into their eyes type deal yeah sweet sexual 
Yeah, sure. Okay, bro. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Step off. This is getting uncomfortable. White Jason gets challenged by his roommate, who's a tier below him for his position on the drum line, and the challenge is successful. Jason is demoted. <laughs> There's this really weird dynamic, too, where Jason like kind of goes off for the rest of the movie being like, it's because I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you almost spit out your water. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say right there at that <laughs> Sorry, moment. But, it, it, but it's true. Like There is a scene... Later on in this movie, yeah. where he insinuates that everybody's out to get him because he's a white kid at a historically black college. And I got—I just got to say, pick your battles, movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did we really need, was GQ really that important where we had to give him his redemption? Yeah, he's on the fucking front cover, dude. He's on our poster. We got to give GQ Fuck. the screen time he deserves. <laughs> So Sean forces Devin to polish all the drum sets, which is a P1, P4 job. Yeah, that's what it's called. Fuck. Fuck, dude. This is when Jason comes in. So he's polishing the drum sets and we get a little bit of a freestyle beatbox rap duet. This is the same year as 8 Mile, so I'll allow it. But, you know. Do you think Nick Cannon, though, was like, can I get one rap in? Like, Nick Cannon definitely asked for this rap scene. Absolutely. It's it's all done, it seems, in like maybe one. I think it's all one shot. So it's probably he paid the, the DP 50 bucks to sneak around the locker room with him and that other actor. GQ was, of course, down to beatbox. And they <laughs> shot that without the director's permission yeah. or knowledge. Maybe that's the extended part I watched. I don't know. But you saw I, this, too. Yeah, I did see this part. Wait, so you did watch the extended No, part? I didn't. I just thought maybe that snuck in somehow. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Well, it really didn't need to be in here, but either way, we got it. So just before the game, though, Devin says the ultimate insult because the, the entire team's about to go out to perform their first time as, you know, a drum line. And he calls Sean Solo whack. Oh, fuck. Unquote. <laughs> whack, dude. Whoo. Whack is pretty. Whack is whack, man. Also, you don't do that. You don't say that. Can we also mention, too, how some of the lingo in this movie doesn't necessarily transfer over now. Like at one point, Dr. Lee, and this is later on in the movie, uh, uses the word crunk. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yikes. Well, I do want to say that when was the last time you ever used the word crunk, <laughs> <Yeah>. Brandon. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that word. <laughs> I will remind everyone though, that this story I believe is actually conceived by a lady named Sean Sheps, who is a, a white woman. So really, you know, interesting. And he was a dater. The whack line that hurts Sean's feelings so much so that he gives Devin the solo, but he thinks Devin's just going to freeze up out there like any other freshman. He needs to be broken, but they don't know Devin fucking miles. dude. This is our first marching band scene, like a full marching band scene. We've seen a couple musical pieces, but this is the first time we get to see the full choreographed in front of people. Uh, full song. What do you what are your thoughts on it? Honestly, I think these are awesome. Every single time they start playing as a band in uniform, I'm loving this movie. It bumps up substantially, like at least a full letter grade just based on the the choreography of these. And the editing here is so good, too. The editing, the directing, all of it's awesome. I totally agree. I think if you take a lot of this movie and on its own, it's probably not that great. But when you add in these marching band scenes you forget everything else that's going on in this movie. It is pretty astounding. Some of the choreography that they do, you can tell that the people that they are using in these scenes are actually very, very talented people. And there's a lot of people to choreograph this. It, I can't even imagine what shooting this was like. 
it's fucking sweet. Unbelievable. And yeah, and to try and shuffle through all this footage and try to match it to the actual beats of the drums and stuff, or vaguely so, I can't imagine what a monumental task that must have been. Audio mixing this movie was probably not fun. No, probably a nightmare, but it looks great. I love this scene. So, you know, Devin at first, he's a bit nervous, but... He eventually steps forward when it's his time, and he actually even goes so far as to step in front of Sean, who's doing the solo, and then even get down like on his knee to finish it off. Like, holy shit. What a cocky asshole. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Devin's my least favorite character in this movie. The, the lead character is a, a huge piece of shit. Like, not likable at all, <laughs> and takes a long, long time to redeem his character. Um, they, they're, I'd say about three quarters of this movie, I hate nick cannon's character i hate Devin. yeah i assume that's probably why the filmmakers chose to put that scene with his dad so early on to just give the audience something to be like this is why he's this way people yeah like he like he's been through some stuff cut him a little bit of slack and you're probably right it it does make that scene in the beginning a little a little bit more cohesive i guess but dr lee is fucking pissed about this why do they bother rehearsing if they're just two fucking drummers they're just gonna go off and do their own shit he actually confronts them both after the game but the the president of the school president wagner he dug it in fact he fucking loves it and dr lee has been told before that he's got to change his focus from music to entertainment or lose his funding so Dr. Lee's kind of in a position where he doesn't want to put Devin on the field, but Wagner wants him so, and as do the donors. And so there's this whole subplot about the importance of staying true to music. And- I hate this subplot because it doesn't make a lot, a whole lot of sense. First of all, I don't know, like, yes, they want to make money, but I don't know one educator who's like, you got to stop teaching these kids music. You just got to stop. <laughs> um, and second of all, why would they, if this school is nationally recognized for its marching band why would you pull the funding why wouldn't you just fire the director <laughs> i don't know dude why it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me well it seems like solving a lot of this would be to hire a rap act for their final performance i guess that's what the schools want maybe i don't know and i'm just spitballing here maybe pd pablo <laughs> do you think you could get him <laughs> i don't know man i'll i'll put in a call we'll see what we'll see if pd pablo is available <laughs> Oh my gosh. So weird. Bizarre. <laughs> Nevertheless, Dr. Lee tells Sean to polish the drums this time. So now he's getting demoted, oh, it seems. Fuck. Yeah, not the teacher's pet anymore. But Devin heads off that night with Layla to the Sigma party, brah, where we get a little precursor to, I think it was what, You Got Served? And what was the other? Stomp the Yard? Remember all those movies Stomp that came yard. out yeah, that were just Step like, out. yes, yeah, yeah, like fight dancing. <laughs> It's funny, though, I've been to parties where this has happened, where, like, out of nowhere, like, the step team decides, like, it's time to step. Fuck. I wish, I wish nothing more to encounter more of these parties. And listen, I, for any step team members out there listening, you're all talented, and I truly do enjoy watching step. Don't do it at my parties, man. I just, like, I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm trying to have a good time. Leave me alone. I'll come to your recital, I promise. You're saying the last thing you want while you're trying to, you know, sip some beer and have some good times is these people stomping around, flipping around and shit. Carry on a conversation with this girl I've met. Yeah. No, I don't want stomp. I don't want the stomp team then coming in and basically putting a halt to any momentum this party has. I'm sorry. (laughs) It might sound mean, but this is just someone has to say, Brandon. You heard it here first. 
folks. A real record scratch for Zach, I guess, at a party. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. It's, it's <laughs> a real party foul. Yeah. It's abrupt. We also get some sensual slow slow motion makeout between the two. You know, it takes a long, Set long to some time. Sexy music. Yeah, it does take a little long. We've done back to back movies where like the leads kissing has the scene takes like 45 seconds. Oh sure, I would complain. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna complain. More so because their relationship so far is based off of, uh, one, it seems like everyone's fascination with him is based off that one performance he did at the at the game. She, however, when they're, they're first introduced and they're talking to each other, I think it's the second time when he again lays on this overly thick, like trying to lay the moves on her, all this bullshit. He's been real skeevy to her up until this point. Yeah, it's sleazy as fuck. And then eventually she just says, do you th- expect this to ever work on a woman? Does this actually work for you? And then he finally, she just leaves. And then he follows after like, oh, wait up, babe. And then there's this whole courtship. But it's like, I don't, what is this based off of? <laughs> he seems like a chode. To be fair, they're at a frat party. They're probably both a little fucked up. The next day, the bombshell is revealed Devin has got this far without being able to read music he can't read music speechless <laughs> yeah I mean and we've been given the breadcrumbs you know <laughs> to, yeah. for all this to, to make sense every single time he's ever given sheet music or something he never looks at it he's always just memorizing or rain manning but this is unbelievable right he was given a full scholarship thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and no one double checked to see if he could read sheet music. I just didn't. I, I, okay. Yeah, I mean, he. Freaking Dr. Lee's yelling at him. I think he's projecting because if anybody's coming out the idiot in this situation, it's Dr. Lee. <laughs> Fucking. Dude, double check. How did no one give him a sight reading piece? He's so angry because, yeah, he, he realizes that he's lied to him this entire time. He memorized his audition in the first place. Could you imagine J.K. Simmons' character in Whiplash learning one of his players couldn't read music? <laughs> he kicked out someone who was in that movie, he kicked out someone who was in tune just because he didn't know he was in tune. <laughs> He questioned whether he was in tune or not. Kick someone out oh of a band. That, if Miles Teller couldn't read music, he would slit his throat and peel his face off the back or something. Like, it'd be outrageous. What a fucking great movie. Ugh, <laughs> oh, great movie. Fantastic. The editing in that movie, Oscar, you know, winning. We made this comparison last week um, between Whiplash and Drumline, just kind of made light of it, that, like, Whiplash is just the white cousin of Drumline. <laughs> sure. But uh, they they both share similar um, similarities in that it's impressive how they can take something as simple as a drum and make an entire movie based around that. You know what I mean? Yeah, not only that, but make it as intense as they do. Like, they put so much effort into making this seem like it's a mind-blowing experience. And because, you know, they're giving it their all, it really does, like, fucking blow your mind. It makes you want to, like, learn drums, right? Yeah, yeah, but I can't because I can't read. I can't read books, let alone music. Right? Yeah, you don't know how to read music. (laughs) I I will say, and this is kind of going off on on an aside. I was when I was briefly in marching band. I did think about this movie. Really? Oh, while you were up there, like fuck, dude. Here I am. I was like, wow, this is what it's. This is like what drumline is, but like way, way, way (laughs) more white and suburban. (laughs) I've made it. Yeah, Doctor Lee forces him to take classes to learn how to read music because Devin making light of all this, like he just straight up didn't think it was a big deal at all. (laughs) I got here by doing me and I'll keep doing me. And he's like, no, 
you have to learn how to read music, guy. You are a music major. Yeah. So he demotes him to P4. Next game, Devin is seated, and A&T's rival school, Morris Brown College, plays some modern funky zippy songs, I noticed. We got, you know, Dr. Lee, he's more interested in playing the classical hits. I love this, like... Morris Brown starts off with a song, then he goes, hit him with Flight of the Bumblebee, and people start playing. And he's like smiling to himself. Flight of the Bumblebee is like the worst fucking song ever made. You know what? I didn't think so, but apparently watching the facial reactions of everyone in the stands, it's like someone shit their pants and they're smelling it. Everyone's like, how fucking dare you play Flight of the Bumblebee after Morris Brown just knocked it out of the park? It, Man, I've never liked Flight of the Bumblebee and then like when they played it. Hot in, take! Yeah, I know, hot take. It's, <laughs> I've never liked Flight of the Bumblebee and then when they played in this song and it just deflates all the energy. Like, I got it. I was like, yeah, this is fucking stupid. I hate Dr. <laughs> President Wagner is furious because not only he played Flight of the Bumblebee, but he wants Devin to play. Even the head of Morris Brown's band wants to get Devin on their team. All based on this one performance, right? <laughs> I mean, based on this one performance, and he is like a very highly... Sure, his reputation. Yeah, he did have a high reputation in New York. So I it makes sense that, he's, that they want him, but I did think it was funny that the president of the college is like i want my boy out there and it's like you've seen him play once you've seen him play once and this isn't friday night lights like i understand that marching band is very intense for these people but like this isn't booby miles you know what i mean (laughs) it's a make or break for this school this team they need devin miles on the fucking field booby miles devin miles (gasps) related i think so yep crossover friday night lights crossover Friday Night Lights class across. I love that movie. Good marching bands in that movie too, by the way. Dr. Lee is pressured by Wagner to put him back on the drum line. So he does for the homecoming game. The opposing team, this whole bit here. So it's like them squaring off against each other. Really good choreography. Really intense. But then when the fucking opposing team throws powder on their drum kits, they start playing. Dr. Lee looks up like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> we fuck. lost. We're done. <laughs> yeah, they got powder. Uh, but Devin once again puts himself before the team and antagonizes an opposing player by playing on his drum during his last minute solo. It's so fucking disrespectful. <sighs> so disrespectful. Could you imagine, dude? I That's can't. basically like at the hike of a football game, like the start of it, one of the other players reaching his hand underneath the pants of the opposing player and just squeezing his balls real tight. I don't think that translates It's the exact same thing. Metaphors. I just... Where, where are we about? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. I'm, I'm speechless. I think that's... Is that the I end? We, should we just I think wrap that's, it up? Yeah, I think we should just wrap up the show. Well, what would you give trouble? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, but I give this podcast uh, two, and uh, we're never doing it again. There we go. <laughs> uh, well, that has the whole drum solo there at the end and him playing on the opposing player's drum kit that really pissed off the entire team and dr lee so much so that he kicks him off the team well, they got in a fight oh well, i mean oh that's right yeah the, yeah the opposing player punched him right yeah there was a whole brawl that's right of course because then zoe saldana's yeah. too embarrassed to introduce her parents to him oh so much tension all is lost the yeah. all is lost moment this was the moment i was holding my breath for i wanted to see their relationship blossom and these two characters enriching each other's lives but instead <laughs> poor devin he has to head over to the morris brown college to see if that team will take him and the coach says he'll look into it 
because Layla is too embarrassed. She tries to talk to Devin the next day at uh, during the cafeteria line, but he shuns her away. So now they're not talking. Oh my gosh, so much drama, dude. I can't handle it. It's all it. coming to a head. Friggin', and <sighs> friggin' now, Dr. Lee is freaking yelling at uh, Sean. Sean. Yeah, Dr. Lee's yelling at freaking Sean now because Sean has lost sight. Like at one point... Sean cared about the band. He, you know, he knew that the band was more important than his own, the sound of his own drum, but he lost sight of that, Brandon. And he's, he's got to get it together because how's he going to lead? Stop me at any, at, at any point. <laughs> one band, one sound, Zach. Thankfully, Devin finally starts to show the slightest glimpse of a character arc or a positive attribute of any kind when he refuses to take the, the tuition money and the, the bribe from the opposing college to, to, to come to their team if he agrees to give them, you know, Dr. Lee's playlist. They want, they're, now they're trading insider tips for, you know, fucking college tuition and everything. It's high stakes. Yeah, what does it matter what he's planning on playing? Like, how is that going to affect you in any way? It's not like football. This isn't a football movie, Brandon. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it's so weird. No, because if he finds out, yeah, if he finds out he's playing Flight of the Bumblebee, he can then alter his strategy, I suppose, is his endgame. I don't yeah. get it for the BET classic. But before that, uh, Devin has sent some cassette tapes from his estranged father and gets some new ideas for some drum arrangements. Sean and Devin have their final confrontation in which it all is finally laid out there. They have a drum off that escalates to some brief stick fighting and with them both holding their drumsticks out, extended in front of each other's face like a fucking sore dude. And now they're friends. <laughs> it's a weird culture, man. The, the, the drumline culture is bizarre and oh, not for man. us to question. No, I, th- them drumming so close to each other and like they get so close, you know, their lips almost touching. A lot of tension, more tension, you know, on this already palpable drama. Yeah. They should have kissed. Imagine to break the tension. <gasps> and then they add that whole element into it where maybe he's, you know. Do you think that's in the extended sec- edition? That's the extended edition of Drumline. <laughs> Fuck. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and Devin, dude. Devin and Sean. Sean and Devin relationship. Uh, I'm going to pop that in as soon as we're done recording. Fair enough. But the two present their idea for an entrance cadence to Dr. Lee, who decides there, he's going to use it for the actual, the classic, there, which is their Super Bowl, essentially, right? Like their championship game. Yeah, something like that. So we, we get a freaking uh, montage with no music to them playing music. It's bizarre. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was kind of a strange choice. I'll agree with that. We also get that scene in which Nick Cannon has to teach the white guy how to bang a drum. This was so stupid. you got to love the drum. This is where the comedy in dramedy comes from. I didn't laugh at a single thing in this movie, by the way. There's, there's a con- the, They say it's a comedy. There's not a single fucking funny thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> but it's GQ, dude. He's hilarious. <laughs> This movie's got a lot of good things going for it. The comedy, quote unquote, is not one of the things that it has. I don't know. There's this little funny bit where the black fraternity nabs Ernest in the middle of the night. So the boys head out to find out what happened. I didn't care about this either. Why did anybody give a shit about this? I think it's the white guy, GQ himself, Jason with a Y, who sees after seeing all the black men in robes performing a ritual. He's like, what is this? The black KKK? Oh, man, this is why there's only one of you. Again, movie. <laughs> we, we just got to be, we got to pick our choices better. Am I supposed to like Jason with a Y or not, movie? 
Ernest, I guess, becomes a brother of this fraternity and finally kisses the lady drummer on the team. Again, if we had spent less time with the Zoe Saldana bullshit plot side plot and the side plot involving the president of the school, we could have had a Remember the Titans-esque uh, montage of these players and I could have learned more about them. But they're such cookie cutter bullshit people that I, I really don't care much about them. So that when we have these other little plot points involving them, it's just weighing down the movie. Plot A in this movie is pretty good. Plots B through D are all fucking boring and stupid. <laughs> Completely unnecessary in, in my opinion. And and like it wouldn't be such a big issue if this movie wasn't two hours long. Yeah, it's far too long. This is a teen drumming movie. <laughs> Come on. It doesn't need to be two hours long, especially if you insist on keeping these weird scenes where, like, why should, why, like, why do we give a fuck that some guy that we've barely seen in this movie is pledging to a frat? Like, I don't give a fuck. I didn't feel rewarded watching him like, oh, that's why he's been acting strange. I didn't remember this guy's name until you mentioned it. Well, we do get that one scene where they're all goofing around eating hamburgers and he eats like three hamburgers in a row because I guess he's nervous for the upcoming, yeah, we find out, fraternity pledge, I guess. But again, it all adds to nothing. So what, we created a whole subplot to get this funny visual joke of him eating a hamburger like an animal? <laughs> I suppose. We also get the subplot of, you know, white Jason then challenging the guy who challenged him earlier for his old position and wins. There's a weird... Super weird slow motion shot in there, by the way, that's two seconds long that comes out of absolutely nowhere. And it is baffling. You'll know it when you see it. Just like, why is that there? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it is. Bizarre. There's two. I had two moments of like, what the fuck were we doing when we did this? One is I'm just going to spoil it at the end. Uh, one is this slow motion scene and one is the freeze frame in the very last shot of this movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but we'll get there. But White Jason succeeds, you know what I mean? And imagine if the movie just followed him from there on out. We don't go back to the... It's just all... It's White Jason's movie from there on out. Yikes. Yeah, studio Yikes. executives. Whoa. <laughs> it was getting a little too black. <laughs> exactly. Come on, guys. That's awful. Jesus. So Devin and Layla also reunite. reunite. She tells him she switched her major to dance. Ooh. So now we know that she cares about herself. And she trusts in herself. She believes in herself. She's fully freaking committed now. Yeah, fully formed character, too. All the way around. That's what good writing does, Zach. That's an arc, Brandon. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. But it's the classics competition. We get a little... I did notice a Waiting for Tonight rendition, some J-Lo. That was actually really good. <laughs> this whole scene is so bizarre. First of all, we get the shot of Nick Cannon walking by himself into the empty Georgia Dome, the now destroyed Georgia Dome. Um, and then we get Stuart Scott, like a random cameo too. I don't, do you know who Stuart Scott is? No. Stuart Scott is a was a Sports Center uh, broadcaster. He's the guy who's introducing and explaining what the BET Classic is. Stuart Scott famously died of cancer and uh, considered one of ESPN's greatest talents ever. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that makes sense for why they gave him that intro there i was confused as to who this person was because they, they you could clearly tell it was someone of importance yeah he was at one point probably the most recognizable face on espn no shit well and he's in drum line. yeah it was just kind of cool to see him but it, then it also made me sad because you get Stuart scott uh who has passed away standing in a building that doesn't exist anymore Time passes by. Uh, waiting for tonight. Do you remember that video, by the way, that music video with J-Lo? Where she just, like, dancing in the rain in the Amazon or something? Yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, that was a formidable what a weird, time in my what life. What a weird past we've had. Yeah, yeah. What a weird present we're living. Cheers. Oh, gosh, yeah. So Devin isn't going to be playing, though. He seems like he's come around, though, and he's asking just to help if he can attend. Dr. Lee says, hey, I'll help you out next year. So they seem to be on good terms as well. Morris Brown, though, is pulling out all mm-hmm. the fucking stops because, as we mentioned earlier, rapper P.D. Pablo to perform during their routine. <laughs> I... I just have to say this too, like, so we get a montage of a couple other bands playing and all the other bands are really good. Like the music's really good. The choreography is really good. And then Morris Brown brings out Petey Pablo in like a caddy. <laughs> and Brandon, I don't know about you. This sucked. This wasn't this was good uh, at all. Awful. He's just shouting shit. This is the worst band performance of the entire movie. Like I thought it was terrible. Um, Same. Like I didn't think it was interesting. I didn't think it was fun. Petey Pablo didn't help because <laughs> um, he's just, again, you're right. He's just like screaming over like this marching band. It's just yeah. kind of stupid. And then uh, Atlanta A&T plays and they play phenomenal. Their, their scene is great. Their music is awesome. At one point I heard the Jackson five. And, like it was just, it was really good to me. It's a no brainer, but they have to tell us because we need tension that Morris Brown and Atlanta A&T tied for first? It's just not true. The Morris Brown song sucked. It was awful. This is a huge flaw with the film. Not only that this happens, but then what happens after this? So so not only do they make this Morris Brown performance really shitty, and it's, it's just unbelievable that, that they choose both of them to tie, but then they make it a drum line, like a drum off. Now both teams have to perform against each other to determine the winner. So that is drumline versus drumline. And Dr. Lee allows Devin to play. All the lights go down in the fucking stadium. And it's this insane drum battle. Dude, it's, it's awesome. It's fucking sweet. When they're standing there and like, it's pitch black and you can't see anything around. And the, the one guy starts drumming goosebumps. Genuinely. There's some goosebumps moment in this editing, the rapid fire, the sound of the drumming. It's awesome. But this is my problem with it is, and again, I, I kept thinking about the fucking nightmare this must have been to shoot and choreograph. Yeah, can't even imagine. But in my opinion, Morris Brown plays, they're really fucking good. Then A-E-N-T plays, they're really fucking good. Then Morris Brown plays again, and I think this one here is probably the best performance in the entire movie. It's phenomenal. Yeah, this one here. Yeah. And then A-N-T plays again, and they're good, but it's not what the other, what Morris Brown just did. It's not. I think Morris Brown wins this movie in the real world. Yeah, they fucking destroy it. They dominate it. Well, first of all, they don't They don't even make it to this far in the real world. But if they do, they win that drum off. Yeah. I think, I agree. I think they are better. And it is worth noting because, first of all, I don't even know why Devin's in this scene. Like, I don't know why he doesn't get a solo or anything like that. He yeah. doesn't really stand out. It's just like, yeah, yeah, you can play whatever. <laughs> like, so kind of stupid in that regard. But also the Morris Brown players, n- instead of just one person playing another person's drum, their entire drum line steps up and plays everybody else's drum. Disrespect. Yeah, and the only thing they can come back with, A&T, is just, just drop their drumsticks on the other players' drums, which is, isn't show nearly. That they're the bigger, yeah, show that they're the bigger I think people. so. That's probably what, you know, the judges went for, but. I misremembered this altogether because I did think that Nick Cannon had a drum solo and it was like a solo versus solo performance at the end here. But no, he just plays as part of a team, which is good because that is his 
arc, really. He's got to play with a fucking team. That's true. He's not even really isolated in this in this shooting. And again, it's probably because he's got a double and everything like that. But, I mean, maybe one or two shots where they get a reaction shot of him. Other than that, it's really unimportant that he's in this drumline. Yeah, because it's all about the team. And you know what? Maybe that's his whole point, because as soon as he starts thinking of the the band, he fades into obscurity, and his whole arc doesn't mean anything to us. <laughs> Wait, no, no, his arc is that he's got to play as a team and just, I you think, know, no, blend I th- in. No, I think he was on the right course. I think he learned the wrong <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Nonetheless, A&T is declared the winner, and uh, that's where we end, drumline. It ends very abruptly as soon as the uh, on, a, on a freeze frame as mentioned. terrible freeze yep. frame uh we do get a couple shots though it must have just been extra footage of the bands playing i mean it's really good yeah it's more just really really good i think the actual morris brown band and then whoever they had playing for atlanta a&t they get a couple extra scenes of them playing again really good everything that they shot with full bands in this movie is really good minus pd pablo <laughs> well so what are your thoughts man drumline i mean it's crazy i this i think this is one of the best movies we've seen on this podcast i generally i genuinely do i was surprised it was one of those movies where we came in knowing that like it did have better reviews i was really nervous that i wasn't going to like it on a rewatch i thought maybe it was going to be a little bit too you know soap opera ish or just like not make a ton of sense and it's it's got a couple of flaws it's not i think i mentioned this earlier without some of the band scenes it's an okay movie maybe not even a great movie it's the scenes in between them playing music or them doing marching band stuff you know the scenes where they're out being college kids or the romance plot boring chuck it throw it away it really I don't think it added anything. It didn't. I didn't care about any of it. I didn't care about any character that wasn't in the band. Um, the romance was like not really that fun at all. Um, I, again, I just feel like it was there to just kind of break up the plot. That being said, though it does have flaws, I was engaged in this movie the entire time. It's one of those few movies where I think it's too long, but at the end of the day, I was like, that's fine. It, like I was okay that it went a little too long. Um, I would have loved to see more music and more shots of the bands because that's where this movie thrives. When they're shooting full band scenes, like you mentioned, the editing is insane. The audio mixing is insane. The music's a lot of fun. The choreography is fun. This movie, it's one of those instances where the movie knows what it's doing best and it does it really good. I just wish I had seen more of it. That said, I think it's a really good movie. I would go back and rewatch it, especially... If you're nostalgic about it, it holds up. Show it to your kids or a young musician. Honestly, I think it probably has more of an impact on them. Let's see. It had an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I'm going to stick with an 80. I, I really do think it's it's a fresh movie. It's really good. Um, glad we watched it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of right there with you. This is one of the better movies we've watched on the show. I, for some reason, just thought this movie had worse reviews. So maybe it was just, uh, you know, me thinking this was less well-received than it was because it seemed to have... fucked up. Yeah, I, I think we might have. Although, you know, kind of fun to talk about. And also, there are, the movie isn't without its faults. Like we mentioned earlier, the teen soap opera elements of it. I, I can kind of be a little more forgiving here just because... 
it is with a black audience and it's with a, a, an audience that probably wasn't getting a lot of these type of movies back then, you know what I mean? In the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a different type of this story as opposed to the same fucking bullshit we've gotten. I don't know how many times of the kid going to the school where he doesn't fit in or trying to overcome some obstacle there and win the girl. That being said, the drumline stuff is just so far over the top that it's it's a recommendation. I can thoroughly recommend this movie to anyone today. I think it's a, it holds up in today's standards. As far as nostalgia goes, maybe the soundtrack. There was a few moments where I was like, and and the wardrobe of a lot of people. Nick Cannon's always wearing a fucking yellow beanie through half of this. And the performances, I think, from the supporting characters like Orlando Jones, Zoe Saldana, are a bit better than Nick Cannon. He he's okay in this movie. I think you could have genuinely gotten any actor to do this. He's a bit annoying in the beginning, and I think it is a fault of the movie that they just make him so unlikable for such a long portion of the runtime. That and the fact that I just didn't love the way this wrapped up with the performances and where they were, where they landed. If you want to take Morris Brown's performance and just switch uniforms, <laughs> and that's how it ended, you know what I mean? Like, and that was the the like game winning performance from A and T. I'm all with you, but. Other than that, yeah, I think this is this holds up for the most part. I won't say it's as high as an eighty-two. I'll drop it to about like a seventy-five. But it's a three-star movie and and one that one of the best like early two thousands teen dramas. I'd say. I think you make a good point too. Uh, it was definitely going for a different audience um, than I think anything else that was coming out of that nature back when that was coming out because there are a lot of teen comedy slash dramas from that time period. And like you mentioned, they are all very similar. And I think this one is so unique just in its stance that it's not, it wasn't really going for you and me, Brandon. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone doesn't look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So so I, I think just out of uniqueness, I think it makes it a better movie of its own genre. Yeah, a bit cliched, you know, predictable from the get-go. Yes, but, oh, totally. Yeah, a movie I wasn't really necessarily bored with, although a, a little too long. But in the end, one I was kind of happy I rewatched. If you're insisting on going for that teen comedy drama, I think you go for this one over a lot of other selections, for sure. Yeah, not nearly as funny, though, to warrant the the comedy in your IMDb uh, description. No, there. not funny at all. Throw that out there. <laughs> a good movie, not funny. Well, Zach, you watch anything funny or sad or life-affirming over the last week or so? I've watched... I have two things. I think one of them you might end up recommending. <laughs> we'll definitely be talking about it, yeah. I, I hate you for it, so I'll skip over it. Um, <laughs> and I'll let you talk about it. I can't believe it. Um, but anyway... <laughs> The other thing I'm watching right now on Hulu, I'm about eight episodes in out of, I believe, ten, or maybe nine episodes, um, The Great on oh, Hulu. Oh, Elle Fanning, Which right? is Ellie yeah. Fanning. Yep, Elle Fanning. And uh, what's his name? I can I can never remember his name. Uh, uh, Nicholas. What a lovely day, right? Yeah. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas yeah. Holt. Uh, it's pretty good um, it, if you're into that kind of thing. I don't know why. Between uh, the death of Stalin and the great, there's something about Russian history that is very good black comedy. Sure. <laughs> it's it, it very much falls in that ilk of just like, it's weird that they all have British accents, but no one cares. It's funny. There's a lot of like modern speaking that you definitely wouldn't get in a Victorian Russian <laughs> era. Um, but it's it's funny. It is not very historically accurate. Like very, and and they make light of that at the very beginning of the show, 
um, on the title card, it has a little asterisk that says an occasionally true story because it is very historically inaccurate. That said, performances are really good. It's an interesting story. Um, it's funny, and I'm really enjoying it. So that's my recommendation for the week. The Great on Hulu. I saw the previews of this. It reminded me of The Favorite, like the way it was kind of shot and the tone of it. It is almost exactly like The Favorite. It's just in a different Okay, setting. I like The Favorite. The yeah. Favorite is fantastic. If you want 10 episodes of The Favorite, highly recommend it. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, yeah, I'm only going to recommend this one thing, and it was something I recommended to Zach <laughs> earlier in the week. It's part of a show called Cake, and I won't necessarily give a re- recommendation to the whole show because I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is one of their one of the I guess the uh, sections of the show. I don't know how you'd prefer to say it, but it's just one of their recurring skits. It's a running segment, yeah. and it is a show called Shark Lords, which you can find all twelve or thirteen episodes on Hulu right now. And it is a mockumentary show of sorts in which a group of extreme sports stars try to create a new sport, uh, which is fucking sharks. And when I say that, I mean, like, they say that it's actually like making love to sharks. They want to dominate a shark. It is hands down one of the dumbest things I've seen in a very long time. I watched it in one sitting. Because it turns it, out to be like like a like the the length of a movie essentially really like it's like an hour yeah. and a half long movie yeah and you'd think it would get old after twelve episodes but they break it up with some truly ridiculous shit in between this I mean I like the first episode I was like this is weird why did Brandon tell me to watch this and then I was hooked by the second episode. <laughs> And if you think like for for a second, like we're going to get into this, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm like hearing them wrong or they're not going to go as far as you think they're going to go within the first episode. The guy's trying to like have sex to have his way with with a shark. Fucking weird, dude. And they took, and you can watch just, you don't have to watch cake. You can watch just this segment on Hulu. They've made it its own series page. I, I hate you, Brandon. You took so much time for my weekend with this. Uh, but worth the watch if you are into, you know, just ridiculous, outlandish, over-the-top humor. You know, very crude Agreed. and not safe for work. But we're not working. We're all at home anyway. So, you know, worth the watch. And this and this podcast has never been safe. That's also very true. Yeah. Although next episode might be, huh? We're going back to our childhood for this one. A real throwback, in my opinion. I'm excited to watch this one. This is a movie that I watched constantly. And I, thinking back on it, cannot begin to understand why brandon we are watching Lindsay lohan's the parent trap yes dennis quaid oof double the trouble Lindsay lohan 1998 98 man i mean this is really (sighs) wow this would have come out when i was six seven years old yeah i was seven we also had sisters though so that's probably why we watched this a bunch that's true but but this is going to be fun because it's a summer movie about summer camps, which were all closed in the country. But we can, you know, still wish we could. This also reminded me that I might want to have some Oreos dipped in peanut butter, dude. Ah, uh, that's the first thing I think about when I hear about that movie is peanut is peanut butter and Oreos. Oh, sounds so good. I might run out the sounds- store. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, stay tuned next week. If you want to check that out, by the way, it is streaming on Disney Plus. So feel free to check that out oh, before the episode drops. But we thank you all for listening to this episode. If you want more episodes, you can check out our website, nbd.podbean.com. You can also shoot us an email if you'd like at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. 
You can also find this in every episode of Nostalgia Be Damned on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, please follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Write us a review, and please, please, please tell a friend. <sighs> you okay, man? It's just, uh, yeah, man, I'm all right. We're in, we're coming up on month two of quarantine, and everything's wrapping up. Hopefully, we've been told, though, that this could extend here in California till July. So Sweet! Might be digging my heels in, dude. Yeah, well, you know. You just may get that podcast of direct-to-video sequels. <laughs> I live in Wisconsin where they decided that uh, we could let everybody out soon anyway, but every municipality was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are the fucking Wild West up there, I've heard. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, man. I'm not going outside. I'm staying here. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Wash them hands. Wash your fucking hands. <laughs>